Please turn with me to the second epistle of Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth, Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, we, this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I've read to the end of chapter one. May God bless the reading of his word.
There is a lot in this chapter. And um, I often like to read the whole chapter to get the context, but I don't think there's any hope of us covering everything that is here in, uh, in any, de- any sort of detail this afternoon. I think both my abilities as the Lord enables me and your attention span as the Lord enables you would not be up to it. One thing that stands out to me in this uh, that maybe I hadn't noticed before that is mentioned very close to the beginning that I think is a key is this word knowledge. It's mentioned knowledge or knowing or know or known is mentioned a number of times in this, in this passage. And my thoughts go to what this knowledge, what this knowing is. What is he talking about? Right at the beginning he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only does he say that, he says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Wow, this is some kind of knowledge. This is is important knowledge. If this is how grace and peace is obtained, how indeed all things pertaining unto life and godliness are obtained through the knowledge of him, what is this knowledge? Certainly, it's not a set of sterile dry facts, not a group of things you could write down on a page. These are things that I know. I passed this course in school and now I know this, which I will soon forget. No, this knowledge is something deeper. One of the truths about us as human, one of the great truths about us as human beings that I think pretty much everyone can acknowledge whether they believe in God or not, is that we are relational beings. We are made with a, a deep desire for relationship. Everyone knows that on some level. Think about it. Every social interaction, every interaction that you have with another person is based on, in some form or other, your knowledge of that person. Be it the most fleeting of encounters or the most intimate of, of connections. It's based on your knowledge of them. The person that's walking down the street that you maybe say two or three words, your knowledge of them is very minuscule, very small, but it's probably based on your evaluation, what you see, how they react to you, what they, that, that, their, their body language. That's some knowledge. Your interaction is, is based on that to the years-long, close, intimate uh, marriage relationship where a spouse Spouses know each other, know each other intimately, and know um, just who each other is. It's all based on that knowledge. And the nature of our interactions is as we interact, we get to know each other more. You know, the more time we spend together, the more we get to know each other. The more we interact meaningfully, the more that we know each other. That, this is the knowledge that Apostle Peter is talking of. This knowledge of God, how I know him. Not the list of facts that I can list on a page. Um, The attributes of God that I could write down. That's knowing about him. That's, That's just a series of facts. But my knowledge, relational knowledge of who God is, is what 
Apostle Peter is talking about here as the means of grace and peace, as the means of all things that pertain unto life and godliness. This knowledge, this knowing of him, of getting to know him more and more, that's what Apostle Peter is talking about. I think of our little uh, baby now, our, our four-month, almost five-month-old baby, the, the, the light of, of recognition is just kind of starting to dawn in him. He's, he's starting to figure out who mom and dad are and who his siblings are and the smiles and stuff. And uh, I got to think in some ways, that's us too. That's, that's, I think of the years that are ahead, you know, how we're going to get to know him, his personality, who he is, and, and uh, how he's going to interact with us. And I see that as my kids grow, as I find out more about them, I think that's us and God too. That we first have to recognize who he is, who he is in Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, in order to have this as the basis of this knowledge of, of, of God, this, this living relationship. There has to be that light of recognition, of dawning, of understanding of who exactly God is in the person of Christ Jesus as the basis of now knowing him and having that relationship and, and, um, and growing in him. And that was the way with, with Peter, too. That was the, the sequence that he experienced, too. He references his account here. The chapter before that Mount of Transfiguration is the chapter where, where, where Peter has that great confession where he says, where, where Jesus asks, who, who do you say that I am? And he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That was, I think, the dawning of the recognition, of realizing that this Jesus is something special. And then, I think, based on that confession, Jesus takes the three disciples in the inner circle up into the mount and reveals even more of himself and has that infirmed by God's voice from heaven saying, this is my son. That knowledge is, is, is made deeper, it grows, it, it expands. And this is a knowledge that the world just doesn't have. Uh, my friend outside of Christ, you may know about Jesus Christ, you may know the... the the things about him, you may know all the accounts in this Bible better than, than uh, someone who is a, a child of God. But if there is not a recognition of him as your Lord and as your master, of, of him as who he says exactly, you don't really know who he is. Jesus on the way down from that mount, you know, after the, the disciples said, oh, we saw Moses and we saw Elijah there talking with you, and then they got talking about Elijah, and, and we're asking some, about some of the Old Testament prophecies. Um, and Jesus clarifies, he says, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things, but I say unto you that Elias is come already, and I understand he's referring to John the Baptist here, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed, likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. That is the the nature of the world is that they know not, they don't know who Christ is and they did with him whatever. And, and today, they're still doing with him whatever they list, whatever they want, however they feel like they're treating Christ and putting him in whatever box as a good teacher or 
maybe all the extreme of a, a bigot or, or someone of his time, but certainly not. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, the one who claims lordship over each one of us if we are willing to acknowledge, as Peter certainly did, a servant and apostle of Christ. So this dawning recognition in Peter as he came to realize who Jesus was through these miracles, through these words that he said, through this intimate knowledge of who Peter was as that first interaction, he said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, when after that miracle in the, in the boat of the many fishes. Then this morning, as we were reading there in that passage in John 14, they were still struggling. And, and you can see it's, it's not yet at that point of really knowing who he is, the, 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 the responses of Thomas and of Philip when, when uh, after um, Jesus says, and, and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know, and Thomas basically says, we don't know. We don't, we don't understand all of this, what's going on. And Jesus explains even more. And Philip then says, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus is in fact saying is, all of the things that you need to know, they've been laid out for you. Henceforth, what does he say? I've lost my place here. And here we go. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. Verse 7. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. I understand this to mean all of what you need to know, all of the, the facts, as it were, as the basis for the relationship culminating in Jesus Christ's work on the cross, his resurrection, that's all laid out for you now. On the basis of this, you can have a knowing, a true knowing relationship with God where you can truly know who he is and, and, and experience him relationally. So that was the sequence. And that's where Jesus go, goes at the end of this whole passage, John 14, 15, 16, 17, he comes to his high priestly prayer. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is, this is Jesus' glory. This is, this is the whole reason he came. Glorify thy son, he, he asks God. He opens that last prayer, the high priestly prayer. Glorify thy son, the hour has come. The whole reason, the purpose that I'm here, the thing that I delight in is this now, to give this eternal life, this eternal life which is the knowing of Jesus Christ and of God the Father. This is the knowledge. This is the knowing that, that, that God wants us to pursue and wants us to delight in. He doesn't want us just to know some facts, a catechism, a series of things that we have to say, yes, I believe this, 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 this. That's sterile and it's dead. He wants us to know him daily on the level of our minds, of our wills, and of our emotions, of our inner man, of who we are, of what we think about. 
to know him more and more. This is the pursuing that, that Apostle Paul said, I chuck everything else out the window because of this. I count it all dung that I may know him, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. In Philippians 3. This is the thing that he, the paradox of, 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 of real Christian life is that he satisfies our deepest longings and yet we want more of him. And as Christians, I don't think we should ever be content and think, yes, there is one, one, Christians are content and ought to be content with their circumstances, what the Lord has given them, but never to be content with enough of God, that I've had enough of that. I, uh, I'm going to go do something else now. You know, I, I put in my time with the Bible, and sometimes, sadly, we kind of have that mentality. As I did my reading, and I'm going to move on. But I want to know more of God. I want to know more of who he is, the way he thinks, how he does things, how he works in my heart, how he works in your heart. That should be my delight, the thing that I glory in. That's the thing that Peter gloried in. You know, um, we could also get off the track going that way too, thinking in the sense of, of, of wanting to remain on a mountaintop. But this knowing is a deep knowing that works out our faith. I'm thinking about Peter's reaction there on that Mount of Transfiguration when he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build a, a tabernacle for you and Moses and, and Elijah. And, and, and I think it Luke's commentary or Matthew's commentary says, he, he said this, he didn't know what he was saying. Basically, he was so overcome by this whole experience, he was just basically kind of not babbling, but not saying the right thing. And I think our temptation, too, could be we want to camp out on this knowledge and not go down from the valley and experience more of Christ, go through all the difficulties, go through the, the, the uh, exposure of ourselves and the building of our faith. And that's, that, was, that was Peter's burden, I think, in this first part of this letter here where he talks about adding to your faith. So you have this faith in Jesus Christ. Now you've come to this faith of who Christ is as the Son of God, as God the Son. Okay, now give all diligence and add to your faith virtue. Virtue, moral excellence. Don't be satisfied with compromise in any part of your life or any kind of portion of your life where I'm just going to ignore that. My faith doesn't really touch that. doesn't inform my conduct. Add to virtue knowledge. A growing knowledge of maybe myself, of my own weaknesses, of my own frailties, of other people's weaknesses and frailties that I can help them with, of God, obviously, and knowledge of him, and to knowledge temperance, control, self-control. The, the, the list goes on. It's a beautiful chain, and um, Kezia told me once when she was a young adult, uh, she was in a course of study, they went through this sequence, this chain of different things, uh, over the course of, I don't know, four or five months. In-depth study of each one of these things. And I think if we would think about these things, we would get to know God more too. We would understand how is God wanting to form more patience in me, more godliness, more brotherly kindness, more charity. This would be a way that we would get to know. This, would, this is a fulfillment in its essence of that, that uh, third verse there about all things have been given unto us pertain, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue.
So that's what Peter's burden is in this letter. Now that you know, he says, you know, I've, I've, you know these things. I want to put you in remembrance of them. You know them. You're established in the present truth. But have some diligence. This is not, um, this type of knowing, this pursuit of the knowledge of God is not a academic exercise or something that you can sit back and coast on. It's something that requires diligence and pursuit. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it, there it is again, this knowing of Christ. This is what Peter's burden was. This is why he, he references, he says, I was an eyewitness of these things. When we made known unto you, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness, he experienced these things. And then an astonishing, I've often marveled on this, but it is very true and makes complete sense. He says, yes, I have the eyewitness account, the thing that I know for sure, my own experience that no one can disabuse me of and convince me didn't happen. That's a sure knowledge. He says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. He says, even more sure than this is the testimony of all the saints before, all of those that, have, that were moved by the Holy Ghost and wrote scripture before me, before my eyewitness account, my friend, outside of Christ, how, how do you treat this Bible? How do you value it? You do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise. If we stop there, we might think, okay, Peter's talking about Old Testament prophecy, just about the second coming of Christ. But then these three words here at the end of it. And the day star arise in your hearts. As you value this Bible, as you value the scripture, as you follow it, as you allow that light to shine in the dark place, the day star, Jesus Christ, arises in your hearts. This is the value of the Bible, of the scripture, of this written word of God that you meditate. And, and this is, as you believe it and as you trust it, this is the means to know. It's not just some sort of experience on your own that you kind of on your own terms you're setting up and, and convince yourself, I've had a religious experience. No, it's this knowing, the testimony of Scripture, the pointing of Jesus Christ, of who he is, what he did, the eyewitness accounts of those that walked with him that is the ground that as you allow that light to shine in your heart, Jesus Christ arises in your heart. Then the, the, the true knowledge of him comes. So my friend outside of Christ, read your Bible, pray every day. I hope this, what we've been thinking about and meditating on, puts to rest the excuse that you may have, that you may say is, I don't know whether I can believe, because I don't know if the, if the Bible is completely true or 100% true or all of these facts are true. You know, by giving that excuse or by saying that, you are uh, reducing yourself. You are, you are cutting yourself, you're rejecting 
your deepest need, which is a, a relational knowledge. You're, you're, you're lowering it down to the level of saying, I will be satisfied with just a series of facts, and you will never be satisfied with the series of facts that you can write down on a page. You, as a person, will only be satisfied with a knowledge, a, a relational knowledge, a knowing of your master, your savior, Jesus Christ. So don't make that excuse, my friend. The Bible is 100% true. Peter says we have not followed cunningly devised fables. This is 100% true. You can believe it. You can, go to, you can take every word in here to the bank. But you will never be satisfied with the factual truth of this word of God until you know the person, until that day star arises in your hearts as you believe this, as you experience it, as you come to know it. I guarantee you, believe on him and you will know. You know, so often we exist on the level of not, um, of just looking for our needs to be met. You know, like, uh, um, whatever it is, I'm feeling this way, I want that. I'm feeling this way, I want that. Without a, a pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of knowledge is a good thing. It's something God put in us. Science is a good thing. It's, it's a discovery, a, a, a desire to understand more, to know more. If we just exist on the level of looking for our needs to be met, being easily manipulated, we remain in some ways as if my, my little son was to remain just as a baby and wanting his food and his milk, and then that's it. But God has put in him that desire to know more, to know me, to know his parents, to know his siblings, to know the world around him. And, and God has put that desire in your heart, my friend, outside of Christ. Don't put that aside. Don't think, I just, I'm going to follow my needs and my desires, and that'll make me happy. That'll make me satisfied. It never will. You will remain like a, like a, a, a wailing baby that just as soon as you're fed, that's it. That's enough. That's, that's going to be your life. You're going to go from feeding to feeding. You need to be like the one who opens his eyes and realizes, looks around and responds to the smiling face of his parents and to the noises around him and, and sees and, and, and does more and grows and, and functions and, and becomes the person that God designed you to be. That's my prayer, is that you would experience that, that you would have that, that desire and that hunger and that thirst. And my brother and sister, let's press on to know. May the Lord uh, bless this word and add what was lacking. Would a brother please find a hymn? The first time we rushed to the hospital when um, uh, Kezia had uh, some complications with the pregnancy with, uh, with Peter, I didn't know what was up. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, it was really scary. And I remember distinctly, uh, this is COVID times, right? There's no waiting room. <laughs> Having to stay in a single chair between the two sets of sliding doors, the automatic sliding doors and the hospital entrance, that's where you could sit <laughs> after I took her in there and not knowing what's going to happen. And thinking, God, you know the situation completely. You know us completely. You know what's happening here completely. I realize that my one desire that 
in this situation is that I would know you. Whatever it takes, Lord, I would know you better through this experience. I didn't know how it was going to turn out or whatever, and obviously, I was thinking we have kids, and, and, and uh, I hope everything's okay with Kezia, but thinking through all that is, Lord, I want to know you better through this. If this is your means to, to draw us closer to you, you, so be it. However it is, however it works out. I think this realization, this is going to be the start of really knowing who God is, having that desire of revival even. You know, that's the theme of camp this year. I've been reading through the book of Hosea, which some of you may have known. And in the middle of this book, in the middle of this castigation of an of a adulterous and wicked nation, of, of people that had turned away and were running from God, that didn't want to know him, didn't, didn't want to have anything to do with him, there's this moment, I think, of coming to themselves in, in, in Hosea chapter 6. Listen to this. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Another translation says, if we press on to know, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Let us press on to know whatever it takes, however the Lord leads, and then we will experience that revival. And, and my friend, you will experience that return from the dead, that raising us up, but it is only if you want to really know who God is relationally and believe and trust his word that he has revealed through the holy prophets, through our beloved brother Peter. And uh, with that, we'll conclude this service. May the Lord keep you in his grace and, and care this coming week so that we would be able to meet again as he wills.